Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night. Once again, that depends on you. I'm the Meatball. You're listening to the Meatballs for America podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Always looking for your thoughts and your perspective on things, and you can leave them on the What Say You hotline at 307-363-2669. Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you're feeling on any hot topic of the day or anything at all. You can also reach me via email at meatballsforamerica at yahoo.com. That is all lowercase with the number four, not the word four. It's meatballsforamerica at yahoo.com. You can find me on Facebook. I go by the name Frank Talker there. You can find me on Twitter. I am at MBS4America. The M, the B, the S, and the A in America are capitalized at MBS for America. Check in there. You can see some of my tweets and stuff. I uh, regularly tweet President Biden to let him know what an awful job he's doing. I also regularly tweet other people to let them know what I think about them. It's not always pleasant. AOC always gets me blocked uh, when I do it. I made a comment uh, to her yesterday asking her basically what she's done since she's taken over Senate. And I got a 12 our restriction. Every time I put something on her po- on her wall, I get that. So I'm assuming it's her or whoever reads her accounts. Uh, but today, uh, I'm going to start off with what's mashing my meatballs, and it's Joe Biden and his BS job creation plan. In January of 2020, when Joe Biden took office, January 20th to be exact, he took over a closed country in a closed world. What little was open and operating in the United States of America was at about 25% capacity, and that half the country wasn't going out or doing anything because they were afraid of COVID. And in March of 2020, when the country closed for COVID, 26.5 million jobs were lost. Poof, gone. To date, only 17.6 million of those jobs have returned. So what has Joe Biden created? Nothing. He's 8 million plus in the hole. Uh, It's pretty easy to have a lot more jobs in a country that we're basically wide open right now compared to a country that was closed. Uh, Also, I want to get on that. I remember for nearly a year while he was campaigning, all Joe Biden did was A, promised us $2,000 the day he's elected. And that at saying 725 minimum wage is not enough and he's going to fix that he's going to raise it he promised to raise it to $15 an hour for minimum wage which I think is too high and don't agree with anyway but he got your votes by promising you $2,000 to buy a vote and promising to uh, raise minimum wage he's been in office going on 13 months now guess what federal minimum wage still is $7.25, another broken promise. <laughs> now, I also remember him criticizing and cursing Donald Trump in October of 20 for 220,000 American deaths due to COVID and 1,000 Americans a day dying, which was a lie. It was only 750 the day he said that. That's what they were averaging over the seven days. And I believe it was only 640 the actual day he said it. But, you know, Joe lies about everything. But anyway, uh, he is, if he hasn't already, approaching 500,000 dead Americans on his watch. And uh, more than 17,500 Americans died of COVID. And it is of COVID, not with COVID. People stop saying that uh, in the last seven days alone. Uh, So his promise to end COVID, not so good neither. So I'd like to know what is actually better under this corrupt wire, in your opinion. Is COVID better? No, we just went over that. Inflation, no, it's a 40-year high and going up. He did make a statement a couple weeks ago that he thinks it will come back by like third quarter 2024. Ain't that exciting? Uh, How about energy and gas and fuel? Uh, We were energy independent and paying the lowest price for gas in years. Uh, And now we are begging OPEC for more oil that we want to pay them 33% more a barrel for. And uh, for the last week to 10 days, gas has just been going up. Uh, it's up to 355 in New Jersey now. Um, and I placed the grocery order last week. 24 of the 93 items I ordered were out of stock. And that's not counting 17 other items that they substituted. It was uh, 24 items that they couldn't give me anything even similar. And then 17 other items that they didn't get, have the brand or the size I wanted. So they substituted uh, multiples of smaller sizes of items or something slightly different. So out of 93 items, 41 of them weren't available. However, he just said, uh, 
what was it, uh, January 6th or 7th, Hal. Oh, the shelves are 85% full. No, they're not. They're empty, and you can't get half the stuff you want. His foreign policy, I'll just say Russia and China, uh, they're going to evade Ukraine and Taiwan, respectively, as soon as these Olympics are over. And that uh, Putin and Xi are just going to laugh at Biden and Blinken and NATO as they do it. Because that's what happens when the United States of America has an incompetent, feckless leader. And that's what Joe Biden is. All right. That's enough about the idiot. Uh, I don't want to get all upset. My blood pressure going. But I I, I want to mention that. And I need you people to make sure you tell people who brag about his fantastic job creation uh, exactly why he's created so many jobs. He hasn't. People return to jobs they had before Joe Biden was president. That's what happened. All right. So now... Let's do our time capsule time machine. What that is, is I pick a year every week for the show, and I ask you questions that if I asked you about today, you would know right off the top of your head. Like, I'd ask you, what's minimum wage? You'd know seven twenty-five, probably because I just told you. Or if I asked you, uh, what's the best TV show? You would know. Things like that. But uh, now, you go years later, people could hardly remember anything. So, time capsule, time machine. We're going back to 1997. Who was your president and vice president? In 1997, what was minimum wage? In 1997, what was the Dow Jones Industrial Index highest close for the year? What was the average price of a six-pack of beer in 1997? Do you know what the price of a gallon of gas was? The average price of a gallon of gas in the United States of America in 1997. Can you name one of the top five movies of the year in 1997? Also, can you name one of the top five TV shows uh, of 1997? And we also always look for the 1997 champions. Uh, So name the four champions, the Super Bowl champion, the NBA champion, the Marlins champ, the Marlins, I just gave you the World Series champions, the Marlins beat the Indians, uh, and give me the NHL Stanley Cup champions. All right, well, we'll get back to the answers on them during our betting what Broccoli Rob segment where I ask him the questions and then we go over the answers. So stay on the line and listen for that. All right, so for today's topics, uh, I received a phone call. I'm going to play you that phone call, and then uh, I'm going to give you my uh, riffs on it. It had to do with Whoopi and free speech and whatnot, but here's that phone call. Why, hello there, Meatball. I'm going to give myself the name Mighty Mouse. So what I have to say is I'm very upset over this whole Whoopi Goldberg and all this woke stuff. All those people just think that race has to do if it's against a person of color. There has been race issues all over the place against all types of people. Roseanne lost her job over stuff, and I believe Whoopi should too. There is no reason for anybody to speak out against hatred for anyone. That is what race and racist is. It has nothing to do with Black on white or white on black or red on blue. It's all these crazy people, like she said, with the men who inhumanity. Well, they're all inhuman who could do that. Okay, so that's my thoughts. I really think Whoopi should lose her job. And if she's not, then nobody else should have. Roseanne should get her job back. And so should anyone else who can't say a freedom of speech. Over now. All right, there's a lot to unpack there, but uh, that, that I think is a, a a pretty common feeling among a lot of people. It's something we don't get to say out loud a lot, though. But uh, I, I kind of agree, and I kind of disagree. I, I believe we are on the same line, and this race and racism thing is uh, a lot. Lot, lot, lot of confusing stuff. But uh, I'll start off with my uh, Whoopi Goldberg uh, comments. So uh, first of all, I'd like to state I am anti-cancel culture. Unless you are, you know, just straight up spouting pure hate and violence, you should have the right to say anything you want. Speak your mind. It's America. Freedom of speech. Um, however, 
as pro-free speech as I am, I am much more pro-fairness and equality uh, and lack of double standards. Uh, Everybody should be held to the same standard. And free speech has not been fair or equal in this country forever. Only specific people are allowed to freely speak their mind, and and that's not acceptable. In Whoopi's case, she's been able to free speak her ignorance and slanted views for far too long, and it's about time it's caught up to her, and she's being held accountable. You know, and in her apology and her stance now, I think, now this is my opinion, um, and how I read the situation, that she's really hiding behind a technicality, that although it's true, Jewish is not a race by definition, literally... Uh, They may not be a race. Um, They were then and now considered and treated or referred to as a race. You refer to the Jewish people like they are a race, like you refer to black people, like you refer to Asian people, like you refer to white people. So um, by definition, no, they're not a race. And she knows that. But that's that. I think that's a cop out. That isn't even what she meant. Um, Because she said it's not racism because they're not a race. Uh, I separate race and racism. uh, And I believe even like the Oxford Language Dictionary does. Because, uh, you know, although racism has a lot of definitions, uh, the one I found uh, in the Oxford Language Dictionary and the one that I think best suits today's uh, message, this is uh, their definition. Racism is a noun. And it's prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against a person or people on the basis of their membership in a particular racial or ethnic group, typically one that is a minority or marginalized. Uh, I believe Jewish people are an ethnic group, but uh, I believe uh, we should add to that description because basically racism is a type of hate crime, and these hate crimes are all prejudice, discrimination, antagonism directed against a people or a group of people for their race, ethnicity, creed, or religion. That's all. I, I think you got, and now I guess you got to throw sexual preference and sexual identity in there too, because if you hate or hold any particular group of people below you or try to screw them out of uh, fairness and equality in this country, it's a racist act. Even though that group of people, by definition, may not be race. But uh, see, in my opinion, that her statements on The View and what she later, you know, kind of explained on Colbert later, is she believes that white people are oppressors. And because they're oppressors, they can't be oppressed and they can't be the object of prejudice or hate. Um, Now, since the majority of the Jewish people then and the Jewish people now are white, it's white on white crime, which doesn't count because I, I think she discounts any human beings' struggles or hardships compared to the struggles and hardships of the African-American, which is ridiculous. Uh, Whether you could instantly identify the person you hate and mistreat them because you instantly identify them, or once you find out they are, you give them the hate. It's still wrong. It's still racist. It's still hate crimes. And it's got to stop. Now, uh, she came right out and said on Colbert, but I quote her, but these are two white groups of people. Uh, what somebody needs to tell Whoopi is there are also a lot of black uh, Jews. Uh, we could start with Sammy Davis Jr. Uh, Lisa Bonet is an actress, African-American, Jewish. Eric Andre, he's an actor and comedian, African-American, Jewish. Diana Abraham, she's an author and a politician, sure you know her. She's an African-American. She's Jewish. Nisim Black, rap artist. He's African-American. He's Jewish. Tiffany Haddish, comedian. Very talented woman, African-American, also Jewish. Lenny Kravitz, musician, African-American, also Jewish. So uh, Jewish people aren't just white people, lady. You were wrong on that account, too. But uh, yes, uh, you know, in the, I don't know what you want to call it, the thing of fairness. I can't recall the word right now. In the name of fairness, she should lose her job as non-colored people do constantly for referring or or diminishing the struggles of another group of people, uh, especially if they diminish the struggles of African-American people. Uh, now, that leads us to the other side, which is Joe Rogan. First, I'll qualify this these statements. I am pro-vaccine and I am pro-mask. I'm anti-mandate on either. I don't think the government should be telling us that. But based on everything I've read and researched, vaccines and masks definitely slow the spread of... Uh, the disease and definitely reduces your chances of illness, hospitalization, and death due to COVID. So, uh, 
as I said, pro-vaccine, pro-mask, don't understand why nobody is. Looks like we're getting out of this, though. Hopefully, cross your fingers. Let's pray on that. But uh, most of my research and all this has been inspired or caused by hearing opposite opinions and going to fact-check them and my arguments to them. So these opposing views have helped me find my information. But uh, most of all this hate and vitriol that's at Joe Rogan now started uh, with opinions expressed by a Dr. Robert Malone, who is basically, he's not anti-establishment or any of that. He was an early, early uh, contributor in the development of the mRNA vaccinations, which they're using now, but many, many, many moons ago in the early stages. So asking him about today's mRNA, to me, is akin to asking the Wright brothers about today's jet fighters. Yeah, they invented flight. They have no idea what a jet can do. Just because he was in the initial uh, finding stages of mRNA vaccines doesn't make her an expert. He is vaccinated, however, and he had a negative effect, which could possibly be why he is so anti-vax now. He won't get boosted. But anyway, everything started from that because uh, they said his rhetoric is an alternative stance on vaccines and the pandemic, and it's going to cause trouble. Um, and uh, what started out as Neil Young crying about false information, has now the right took it and they added race baiting to it uh, so they can, you know, further manipulate and suck in the easily fooled and manipulated woke mob. Uh, when this all started on January 24th, Neil Young came out and said, I am doing this. I'm quoting Neil Young. These are his exact words. I am doing this because Spotify is spreading fake information about vaccines potentially causing death to those who believe the disinformation being spread by them. Now, he wrote that on January 24th. Spotify did not pull the Joe Rogan show by the 26th, so Neil Young pulled his music. And hey, he's every right to do that. Pull his music and not work with Spotify because he doesn't agree with Joe Rogan. He has no right to tell him to shut Joe Rogan up. Not in the United States of America. But he said nothing about race. But because that wasn't enough to silence Joe Rogan and get them to pull him down... The woke started sifting through every written and recorded word the man had. Everything they could find on Joe Rogan to find anything that they can. Uh, he said the N-word a few times. Saying the N-word does not make you racist. I'm sorry. And I still stand by the fact that if people of color can say the word, people of non-color should be able to say the word. They win Grammys for singing about it. We lose our jobs. Not fair. That's what I'm talking about pro-fairness. Uh, but anyway, you see nothing in about race in the Neil Young comments, but uh, a singer, Indy Airy, who I'm really not even familiar about, she uh, ended up posting a video, uh, which was a string together of uh, racial comments, jokes, slurs, or the N-word that Joe Rogan has said uh, through his podcast. So now everybody's quitting because of uh his uh, false information, and because now they've made him a demon and a racist and the devil. Uh, you know, people have been, they've been reporting out, you got Barry Manilow, Bruce Springsteen, and many, many more people pulling out. Most of them are lies because they're trying to, you know, make it look worse uh, than it is. They, they always do that. You ever notice they always got to lie the left when they're telling a story? They got to add to it and make it better because uh, their facts and their points aren't, aren't enough. But anyway, from everything I've researched, I've done a lot of looking to see who has actually left Spotify. And to date, this was as of an article two days ago that uh, I cross-referenced against other articles and everything. But anyway, Neil Young, we know. Joni Mitchell. Uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, uh, guy Nils Lofgren, who used to play in the E Street Band. That's why they started saying Bruce Springsteen left, but it was just Nils Lofgren, who also still does a lot of playing with Neil Young. Uh, and, you know, Crosby, Stills, Nash, their relationship with Young. Uh, but Bruce Springsteen, Barry Manilow, no. You got Indy Irie, she pulled her music, and Failure, which is an alternative rock band that I've never heard of. That's it from the music world, as far as I can find. Now, you also they also lost Roxanne Gray, who's a social commentator and podcaster. She pulled her podcast. Uh, Brett Brown, who's a professor, a lecturer, and a podcaster, he pulled his podcast. And Mary Trump, author, the only book I know that she wrote was the one that trashed Trump. Uh, I haven't looked to see if she wrote any books. But they have her listed as an author and a psychologist and the host of the Mary Trump Show, which is a political podcast. I don't know if she had anything to do with politics before her uncle became president. I haven't looked in that. But anyway, she pulled her show. So uh, that's it. That's everybody who's pulled from Spotify to date. The Meatballs for America podcast will remain on Spotify. And uh, 
we will speak our free mind and we will post any uh, phone calls and read any emails of free speech until Spotify takes me down. But anyway, I'm done for bitching for this morning. We're going to get on to our betting with Broccoli Rob. It was formerly known my guy as Points Bet, but uh, our new name will be Betting with Broccoli Rob. That's coming up. We're going to cover the time capsule cannoli answers. And uh, I'll wrap it up a little for you on the back end of that call. But listen to the call. Have a good time. Hope you enjoy it. Alrighty, folks, we're going to roll into our conversation with my guy from Points Bet. And as I told you before, I love to name things. Uh, we've been beating a few around, and that we come up with betting with Broccoli Rob, which I like. It's kind of it's kind of got a ring to it. So uh, Broccoli Rob is our new uh, Points Bet guy. My guy, I now christen you Broccoli Rob. Welcome to the show, Broccoli Rob. How you doing? Wow, uh, good to be here, Meatball. Did a little. Uh little research which i haven't done very often for these uh these shows that we do uh but i did do some research on um on some of these prop bets for the super bowl so when you're ready to get into that i got some uh i got some interesting opportunities out there for your listeners all right well first of all let's remind everybody that if you sign up no i'm sorry i'm getting a piece of paper ready because you want to record what we pick on these prop bets and tease each other on who does better next week mm-hmm. all righty so uh First, uh, you know, we got to do the time capsule cannoli, and we're going to visit 1997 in the time capsule cannoli today. These are the questions. Let's let's see what you know. I just closed it off. Hold on. Let me bring it back up. There we go. All righty. As we start off the warm-up question, as always, 1997, who was your president and vice president, Mr. Broccoli Rob? <laughs> so 1997, I'm going to say Bill Clinton was president. Correct. Who was his vice president? Uh, his vice president was, um, geez, I should know this, but I can't think of it right now. But I, as soon as you say it, I'll be like, oh, yeah, of course, you idiot. Al Gore. Al Gore, of course, you idiot. <laughs> the only, actually, well, I, I know Gore is Clinton's guy, but I also, we discussed it last week. Remember, we did Who Ran in 2000, and it was uh, Gore and Lieberman, who neither one of us knew, and I still wouldn't know if I sat next to him on an airplane. But uh, all right. So what do you think minimum wage was in 1997? Well, 1997, I got to just, you know, rack my brain and say, hey, that was over, you know, what's that, 25 years ago, even though it doesn't sound like it was that long ago. Yeah, 25, yeah, 25 years, 22. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I can't believe it was 25 years ago. We're old. Scariest shit when 1997 was 25 years ago. Um. Anyway, I'll say eight fifteen. Minimum wage is seven twenty. You go backwards on this one. Minimum wage is seven twenty five, which is the highest it's ever been today. So, oh. so <laughs> I thought minimum wage was fifteen dollars. Well, no, no, no. Uh, the gentleman who ran for president promised for a year as he campaigned that he was going to raise federal minimum wage to fifteen dollars, but as of today, it's still seven dollars and twenty five cents. So let's go back and say uh, four eighty-five. Five fifteen, close. We do a quarter. So you just missed. I actually said five dollars only because I remember five fifteen from two thousand. So I took fifteen cents off. The Dow Jones high for nineteen ninety-seven. What's the highest the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed in nineteen ninety-seven? Broccoli Rob, what do you say? I'm gonna say forty-five hundred. 8,259.30. I I said 7,500. That's what I said. We do a thousand. So I kind of got that one. Now, here's a couple of different ones. Uh, Average price of a six pack of beer in 1997 was how much, Broccoli Rob, you think? Well, I was drinking uh, not real expensive beer in 1997. I'll say pack of Bud Light, a six pack of Bud Light couldn't be more than $1.50. It was at uh, five ninety seven for a six pack was the average price in nineteen ninety seven, four ninety five for Budweiser actually. Five bucks for Budweiser. Oh my so God. less than a buck a beer for a six pack of Bud. How about a gallon of gas? What do you think the average price of a gallon of gas in nineteen ninety seven went for? A uh, buck fifty. Buck twenty three. Close. I said a buck ten. Uh, 
All right. You want to go? Uh, well, we'll do the four sports teams, which we forgot to do last week in 2000. But uh, you want to do five movies in the sports teams or five TV shows and the sports teams? Well, Give- every time we play this game, I realize I just completely suck at it. <laughs> so whatever you think you're better at, oh, you already know the answer. Well, yeah, but I, I, I wrote my answers down before I looked them up. Okay. I mean, but I, I just, uh, so far the only one I got right on this one was the guess that was the gallon of gas. <laughs> All right, so let me let me pick what I would be better at. I suck at picking movies because I can never wrap my brain around what the hell was going on at that time. So I'll go with um, what was it? TV shows, movies, and what else? Well, we're going to do you choose between movies and TVs, and we're going to do the four sports champions. We always got to do them. All right, do movies. Let's see how bad I am. All right, so the top five TV shows then of 1997 were for our listeners, because I did ask them, Seinfeld, ER, Veronica's Closet, Friends, and Touched by an Angel. Four of the five of them were NBC NBC shows. Would have got zero. Really? I I mean, I figured Seinfeld and Friends were right around that area. Uh, Movies, I did get one of these movies. You should recognize three of the movies. Give me your uh, favorite. Give me one of the top five movies from 1997. I always go with this one, uh, and it's never right, uh, Terminator. <laughs> no, it wasn't in the top five. I don't know if it was out that year. But uh, yeah. top five, uh, I actually said Titanic. I knew that was a 97 movie. But I was going to say Titanic. You only give me one guess? Yeah, you, I asked you for one of the top five. You don't remember. <laughs> You know, I thought you were going to say Titanic because you said I always say that. Uh, but they were Goodwill Hunting, Life is Beautiful, Titanic, The Game, and L.A. Confidential. All righty. Now, I am going to cut you off at the pass by letting you know none of your all-time favorites and big-time winners have won any of these titles. So the 1997 Super Bowl, remember, will be the champion of the 1996 football season. Who do you got? The St. Louis Rams. Green Bay Packers defeated the New England Patriots. Okay. That was uh, Brett Favre's first Super Bowl. I remember that game, yeah. Okay, now I know where I'm at, so go ahead. All right, 1997 NBA. 1997 NBA. Hmm. How about the 1997? How about the Milwaukee Bucks? Although, no, that can't be right because they just won for the first time a couple years ago. How about the uh, Seattle Supersonics? Chicago Bulls beat the Utah Jazz four games oh. to two. That was his second set of three or his first set of three, Jordans? That was in the second set of three, right? Yeah, I think 97 was his second. So what years was he? I forget what years he was playing baseball. All right, how about the World Series? The World Series in 97, I'll say the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Marlins beat the Indians four games to three. Oh, uh, I remember that World Series, too. I was actually in Florida. Great that game was seven. The Marlins' first year, I think, as an expansion team, or that second year in the league. It was, it was early, early on, because I remember saying, I can't freaking believe they got a World Series. <laughs> We've been around all this time, and they got as many as us. I know. Uh, uh, crazy. All right, the NHL. Now, this one, think about, because you should get this one. 1997. How about the New York Rangers? No, I will tell you this team beat the Flyers four games to none in a strike-shortened season. The Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, that's the year Red Wings beat us. I thought we were going to win that year. I really, really did. You know what? I was at every one of those home games, and the Flyers had the Legion of Doom, Lindros, LeClaire, and uh, who else was on Rembrandt. Uh, Not Rembrandt. Rembrandt. (laughs) I always called him Rembrandt. That was the painter. It sounded like Rembrandt. Michael yeah, Remberg, Remberg, Michael Remberg, yeah. And they were uh, big favorites to win that Stanley Cup, and the, and the Detroit had uh, the left-wing lock. It was kind of a defensive maneuver that they played, and they swept us, and we were big favorites. I was just blown away. Detroit was not supposed to win a game. I do know Lindros was unbelievable that year. I, I, he had, I think he led the, the uh, playoffs in points, too, in an unbelievable playoffs. That was the, that was the one year he was everything he was – touted to me. I mean, the guy was phenomenal. He really was. Shame his career was cut so short. But that year, he was everything he was touted to be. I wonder what would happen if it was a full season now. I don't know. He was a fantastic player. Actually, one of my all-time favorite players. I know he wasn't the most popular guy in the locker room, but when he's on the ice, he could kick your ass. He was physical. He could take you to the boards. And of course, he was so skilled. You know, he put up goals and assists. He made John LeClaire so much money because John LeClaire was a good player. But when you play with a guy like Eric Lindros, 
now you're a superstar. Star. Because Lynn Joseph is drawing a lot of the defense. He's setting you up for tap-ins. I mean, Leclerc was like a $2 million guy, and then he played on the line with Lindros, and the following year he got paid like 20-something. <laughs> but I'll tell you, that that line was good, and I I remember a play where Lindros, with a guy draping on him, basically tiptoed from the blue line across two defenders, spun around, and somehow flicked the, the puck up over the goalie's uh, waffle hand. It was amazing. Yeah, there's no denying that guy's talent. He was just absolutely phenomenal. He had a few really, really, really good years. Um, yeah, and he got hurt, you know. So uh, anyway, I hear there's a something big happening this Sunday. What's going on this Sunday? Oh yeah, there, uh, I don't know. Is there a game going on? I don't I, yeah, I think are... there's. I think there's a game. I think um, the Bengals play the Rams or something. Yeah, I've actually been looking at this game, and I know that last week when we talked, I said I was going to do a little research, and I alluded to I did some prop research for your listeners, which will be interesting. But I actually changed my mind on who I'm going to bet in this game. And this is the mistake that I make all the time when it comes to Super Bowl. Because there's two weeks around. You read a lot of material. You see a lot of shit on TV. You watch some sports shows. And the next thing you know, I find myself changing my mind. Everybody's on the Rams. Their defense is so much better, which it is. Um, Their receivers, everything about them, they should win the game, right? Mm-hmm. This is exactly what happened to me. Normally, I only have one week, so I don't change my mind. But, you know, like I said, I bet against Cincinnati last week. They won. I bet against Cincinnati the week before that when they went into Tennessee. I lost. <laughs> and I said, I'm not going to bet against. I'm not going to bet against the Bengals anymore. But sure enough, I am. I'm going to take the Rams. And the line went up, too. The line went from four to four and a half. So a lot of people around the country are putting their money on the Rams right now. It's pushing that number up a little bit. So you like the Rams minus the four and a half. I think the Rams are going to win. I want the Bengals to win. And uh, since it ain't real money, I'm going with my heart. I'll go opposite. I'll take the Bengals plus the four and a half. Yeah, I would really, you know, my heart's with the Bengals too. But the one thing you got to do when you're betting these games, at least some of the time, not all of the time, because we're all victim of betting with our heart sometimes, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, but you you have to try to stay objective. And I'm usually pretty good at that. I would like to see the Bengals win. I used to love Chris Collinsworth when I was a kid. He was my favorite receiver. I had a Cincinnati Bengals jersey running around the house. I must have been, I don't know, 10 or 11 years old. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 was, I was a Lynn Swan fan. Loved Lynn Swan. I don't know if we ever had this discussion. You remember the show What's Happened with Dwayne Wayne and Rerun and Roger oh, Thomas? Yeah, of course, of course. There was an episode where Dwayne went on a hot street picking football games, and, and the mob got wind of it. And they wanted him. He was like on a tear, seventeen and zero or something. So then he oh. gave he gave them a bunch of bets. And and Ron, I, I don't remember the whole story, but they're all saying, "Oh no, no, you're going to get in trouble." He says, "But what's your system?" He goes, "Oh, the team with the best looking helmets always wins." Yeah. <laughs> he had the mob guy put a ton of money on the Buccaneers, and this is back when they had Peach with that ugly ass uh, pirate on their uh, helmet. Sickle uniforms. I used to love them too. They were ugly, though. Well, they, yeah, I mean, they, they were sharp, but how do you have an aggressive football team in that uniform? I mean, yeah, creamsicle. But, yeah, his, his whole strategy was you always pick the team with the better-looking helmet. Hey, whatever works. I mean, sometimes you get on a roll and you're just doing it. I've talked to guys that have had their infant, you know, one, two-year-old kids pick a pile and win, like, seven games in a row. I've had guys tell me they let their dog or their cat pick out of a pile, and they've also got hot. So, hey, listen, if if it works, it works. You know, these games are tough to tough to come by. You can analyze them till you're, you know, blue in the face, and then you get a bad call by a referee. Your quarterback gets hurt on in the second quarter. A running back gets thrown out. Your best defensive player gets thrown out for a personal foul. Really tough to predict these things. But if the game goes as it should, it should be close game. And it probably will be a real close game. And that's why I was leaning toward taking the points. You know, the way these games have been going, right? Mm-hmm. The wire, overtime, last second field goal, last second field goal, last second field goal in three straight games. So that's why I was leaning toward taking the points. But then when you really start looking at the, the, the teams that are going to be playing each other on the field, Sean McVay was at a game a couple of years ago. 
He was kind of overmatched. He's going to be a little more in control this time. That's when Belichick shut the Rams down. down. Yeah, he you know, he so, exposed uh, who was that quarterback Goff. Yeah, he exposed Goff. He, you know, Belichick, the best of the best. But I think McVay and all the stuff that I've been looking into and people I've been talking to, same thing. He's more prepared. They Rams went all in getting Odell, getting Von Miller, uh, trading for Stafford. I mean, they need to win the Super Bowl this year. And that's how they played all season. And this is, you know, this is their chance. So I think they end up putting it on them. You know how Stafford ended up there, don't you? Well, I don't know exactly how he ended up there. Him and McVay ended up at the same place. I don't know if it was Cabo San Lucas. It was somewhere down in Mexico on vacation, unplanned. And they ran ran into each other at the bar. They ended up having about a a 13-hour straight conversation. And the conversation ended with McVay saying, when I get home, I'm going to get you to the Rams. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's how it happened. Read it. Really, really interesting story. I, I uh, had heard it on TV and read about it when I first heard it uh, early in the season. Uh, I don't, fre- I don't remember all the details because it was a long time ago, early in the season that I read it. But uh, really, really interesting story. You should look it up. But yeah, they, they were on vacation, family vacations. At the, they ended up at the same place, completely unplanned. Uh, McVeigh was sitting at the bar with his wife, and Stafford came up. Uh, to get, uh, I believe, beer to bring to his room. And uh, McVeigh was like, aren't you? And they started talking. Both of them ignored their wives and families for a couple of hours. Like I said, I heard it was like 13 hours, I think. And the conversation ended with, I'm going to get you in L.A. when I get back home. And he did. And they're at the Super Bowl. How about that? (laughs) Well, uh, listen, they got to finish it off, and that'll that'll be a great story to look back on. All right, so we're going to do uh, some of these prop bets. Let us know. Uh, what, oh, again, did we mention that points bet? If you sign up, enter the code Meatballs, and you get that free two thousand dollar bet. They will match your initial deposit, dollar for dollar, and you get a free bet for that amount. Or you could break it into four equal bets. If you put two thousand dollars, it's four five hundred dollar bets. Put a hundred dollars, that's four twenty five dollar bets. Did I explain that correct, Broccoli? That is absolutely correct, Meatball. Whatever, whatever your budget is, if it's 100 bucks, if it's 500 bucks, if it's 2000 bucks. this is the big game. This is where, you know, most of America has a couple bucks on this game, whether it be the coin toss, who's going to win MVP, who's going to win the game. Every Super Bowl party has a block pool rolling. Uh, you know, the Super Bowl is as American as apple pie. And if you don't have a couple bucks on the Super Bowl, you're just a fucking loser. That's what I. Have. <laughs> I I can I can't agree with that. You know what they got to do though? They got to make that Monday a holiday. It should be a three day weekend, and we have that Monday <laughs> off. It really, really should. I should put a petition together for that. So we're going to do some prop bets. What do you got? We'll take five prop bets each. Uh, we don't whatever you got. We'll take five a piece, and we'll see who comes out better. All right. Well, I'll start with something simple. Um, uh, Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford. This is really unusual. Usually one quarterback has a tendency to throw for more yardage than the other quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Tom Brady's playing uh, Jalen Hurts. Tom Brady's over-under for yardage is going to be more. He throws for more yardage. Jalen Hurts runs hands off, right? Mm-hmm. So really strange. The number for the over-under in yardage thrown by the quarterbacks in the Super Bowl is exactly the same. You want to take a stab at how many, what the yardage is? 295. That's actually a pretty good guess. That's actually a really good guess. It's 275 and a half. 275 okay. and a half. Yeah. So what you'll notice on these prop bets is they don't want any ties on prop bets. So mm-hmm. they always throw a half in there so you don't say you tie. Yeah, so you, you win or lose. lose. No push. <laughs> okay. So yeah, nobody wants to push a prop bet. So it's 275 and a half, and they're both both minus 115. So 100 bucks on Burrow. If you lose, you lose 115. If you win, you win 100. Same thing with Stafford. It's exactly the same line. So I like I like both of these guys over the yard. All right. I will put 100 Fazools on Stafford under and 100 Fazools on Burrow, uh, Burrow over. I'm sorry. I want to go the other way. I want Stafford over Stafford. and Burrow under, believe it or not. Well, listen, I don't... I don't you got 100 on both over? I'm going to go over with both these guys. I think it's going to be a fairly high-scoring Super Bowl. I think they're going to be, you know, if the Rams get a lead, Burrow's going to be in chase mode, put the ball up. He's got Jamar Chase. He's got uh, a, a, a lot of 
good weapons that he could throw the ball to. Although I think his tight end's going to be out. But, you know, uh, TJ Humzana, mm-hmm. he's, I think he's hurt. So I, I think they're going to be, th- they don't have a great running game. Dude. They have Joe Mixon, who's a good running back. But they have a shitty offensive line since then. I, I I I do agree with that, but I don't know. I just I don't know. And like I said, I love Burrow. All right, what do you got for the second one? So we got well, we each got a hundred Fazuls on Stafford over. I'm a hundred Burrow under. You're a hundred Fazuls Stafford over. Yeah. So uh, I'll just stay with the quarterbacks, then we'll break off of them. Over under for passing touchdowns for Joe Burrow is one and a half touchdowns. Over under for uh, over under for passing touchdowns for Stafford is two and a half, so that's the difference. I mean, they got Stafford basically throwing an extra touchdown pass here in this game, so they got him at three. So I'm going to take Stafford over three, and I'm going to stick with my theme and go Joe Burrow over one and a half touchdowns. All right, I'm going to follow you on that. I got a hundred on each of them too. Same thing. Over over. Over, over. Yeah, they're too low, I think. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, guys, gonna. Th- I think Joe Burrow's going to throw a couple of touchdowns. Stafford, you know. His he team might team. not hit three, but. Yeah, it'll be close. Yeah. All right, so here's where you got to pay, pay attention to the juice. These are some anytime touchdown scores. And when I say juice, you know, even money is you bet 100, you win 100. Minus 150 would be. If you bet a hundred, you have to lay a hundred fifty to win a hundred. Mm-hmm. Plus one fifty is if you bet a hundred, you win one fifty. Just so your listeners understand that. Right? Okay. So Cooper Cup, anytime touchdown, anytime touchdown is minus one fifty for the game. And of course, I'm going to bet that Cooper Cup is going to have a touchdown because the Rams' offense runs through Cooper Cup. And he will get a touchdown in the Super Bowl. I love this bet. So three hundred will win me two hundred, right? Uh three hundred. Well, uh, you have to lay some juice. So three hundred will win you two hundred, right? Right. I got three hundred cup scores. What do you got? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go three hundred. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll take. I'll lay. Yeah. Well, I don't know how much chips we're starting with, but I like. Because what we have a thousand. So so far we're in for four hundred each. All right. I'll take. I'll take two hundred. I'll put, you know what? I'll put 150 on Cup to win 100. 150 Cup scores, and I got 300 Cup scores. Yeah. And the reason I'm doing that is because the next bet, I'm just going to stay with Cooper Cup. And this is the difference between any time touchdown and the first touchdown of the game. So you can get Cooper Cup at plus 475 for the first touchdown of the game. Now, if Cincinnati scores the first touchdown, you lose this problem. Mm-hmm. If anybody else for the Rams scores the you first touchdown, you lose this prop. It's pretty straightforward, right? If no touchdowns are scored, you lose this prop. You lose this prop. Is that a no bet if no touchdown score, I wonder? No, no, it's a loss. The guy's got to score the first touchdown. Okay. So the reason I like this bet is Cooper Cup is plus 475. So I put 100 bucks on Cup to get the first touchdown. I win 475. It covers basically every other prop bet for me you made yeah on the belt, right i like that but i'm not going to go with that one okay well here's another one that i like and this i'll also put a hundred bucks on it's odell beckham jr obj to score the first touchdown what do you think the odds are well if cup is 475 i'm going to say oga beckham has got to be 650 that's a good guess, and that's that's a good way to look at it because you know Cup is their best receiver. The offense runs through him. Odo's Odell is actually plus eight hundred. Wow! So you put a hundred bucks on Odell to score the first touchdown, and a hundred bucks on Cup to score the first touchdown. One of them scores. You know, you want it to be Odell, obviously, because you win more money. But I like both of these bets. That's why I picked them out. There's every player. On the team, you have a first touchdown and any touchdown prop. I mean, this is the Super Bowl, okay? So the Rams' defense also has a prop bet on them to score an anytime touchdown. Now, what do you think that is? The Rams' defense and anytime touchdown, plus 1,200. Huh? Plus 1,200. See, now that's what I would have thought, but it's only plus 450. Wow, really? That's it. I mean, you're getting more money on on Cooper Cup to score the first touchdown than you are 
for the defense to score a touchdown. So why not go with the guy that's out there to catch the fucking ball? Yeah, that's, I, I mean, agree that's with that. Now. You're in for 750 so far. I'm in for 700. Because right, well, you put 100 on Odell also, right? Yes. All right, so I'm going to put 100 bucks on the Rams minus the four and a half. Are we just doing prop bets? Just stick with prop bets? Yeah, this is just for the prop bets. We both picked a game, but we're, yeah, this is just prop bets. All right, well, I'm going to move into, and this is the last category I did a little research on, is the MVP of the game. Now, historically speaking, the, the quarterbacks generally win the MVP for the games. I mean, your team wins generally. The quarterback is, but I'm going with Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get the odds on Cup. I should have. I pulled the odds on Stafford and Burrow and Aaron Donald, okay? So Stafford's plus 125, which – you bet 100, you win 125. Burrow is plus 220. So if you bet 100, you win 220. Take a stab at what Aaron Donald did. I, there has been a defensive player named MVP in the Super Bowl before, so it's not unprecedented. Not only that, a defensive player was named MVP of the losing team for the Dallas Cowboys one season. Really? The Dallas Cowboys lost the Super Bowl. I want to say it was Lilly, but I'm not 100% sure of that. But it was a defensive was it a backer or linebacker? I used to, when I was a kid, I knew all this shit. But now that I get older and I have to know real stuff, I had to delete some information. But yeah, I, I want to say it was Bob Lilly, but don't quote me on that. But a defensive player for the Dallas Cowboys, I believe they lost to the Miami Dolphins, but he was the MVP at the Super Bowl. Well, I think the guy for the Pittsburgh Steelers won the MVP of the Super Bowl when Pittsburgh beat the Chargers. I don't know what year it was, but it was... It was the Rams, you mean? I don't know who it was. It was a guy for, I thought it was a, a player, a defensive back. He had like, he had two picks and one was a pick six. I don't recall. I thought Hairston, did Hairston win it the year they beat Arizona? He should have won it, but you know who won it that year? Because I just seen this. No. Who? It was, uh, it was either, I think it was Santonio Holmes who caught, made that. Oh, he made that great catch at the end of the game too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, he should have won it that year. I mean, he absolutely should have won it that year. That that pick that they, before the end of the half that he tiptoed down the sideline. Side if anybody pushes him out of bounds or tackles him, half's over. Hundred yard retouch, uh, uh, return. Was it a fumble or an interception? So I think it was an interception. A tipped pass by Kurt Warner. It got deflected. He ran it back. It was an incredible run back. I mean, yeah, I, I, it, it, it was the longest hundred yards in football history, too. I think I went up and got a beer, <laughs> opened it, talked to my mom a little, and came back down. He was still running. Oh, there were guys chasing him from all over the place, man. He dodged a couple tackles, broke a couple tackles, made a couple moves. I mean, it was like Tyreek Hill. It was it was fantastic. No, but he didn't get it. But um, anyway, yeah, so we always love telling these stories and talking about the games. But Aaron Donald, take a stab at what he is. 600 to 1. Well, 600 to 100. No. So 600, you know, not enough for a defensive player. You know, he, he's got to have, what, a sack? An interception and sacks, a touchdown, yeah. A fumble recovery. For is he, are they at 1,200? Is he a plus 1,200? He's just such a dominant player. That's why I figured they might not go so nuts. Well, he's plus 1,600. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I will put – Broccoli Rob will put 50 bucks on Aaron Donald – just in case he has one of those monster games, games. that we, we all know he's more than capable. <laughs> well, no one. All right. So uh, you now got $800. You got $200 left. So throw $200 on something. And I'm going to throw, well, I got 300 left, right? Four, 700. I want 100 on Cup to win MVP. We'll figure out what the odds are. Okay. Uh, that gives me eight. So uh, 200. We, we each got 200 left. All right. Well, I'm going to put my 200 on Stafford to be, uh, to be the MVP because I think. Ultimately, the Rams will win, and ultimately, Stafford will be the MVP. Okay, Stafford MVP. Uh, just be honest about the odds when we go back over them next week. Yeah. I'm going to throw my last 200 on, and we, you you may not have pulled the odds for this. Uh, I say there's going to be four field goals in the game, so whatever the over-under is, whatever four does to that. How's that? Well, Never going to be four. Yeah, I know. It'll be three and a half. If it's three and a half, I have the overs. If it's four and a half, I have the unders. Okay, got it. I'll have to look that one up, but not a problem. Well, definitely. Listen, one real quick story. I know that we got to wrap this up soon. 
But I do you know where prop bets came from? No, I do not. All right. So I actually seen this story this week and I thought it would be interesting to share with your with your listeners. So the Chicago Bears, we talked about them before the 85 Bears with Refrigerator Perry and Jim McMahon and all the characters they had on that team were playing the England Patriots in the Super Bowl. And Chicago was monster favorites in that game, like two touchdown favorites, whatever it was. So Caesars Palace, in order to drum up some um, some hype, some, some action, excitement, some action on the game, decide to put a prop bet on refrigerator perry because you remember dick would put him in the backfield and have him run in the end zone whether he scored or not that was the first prop bet really that was the first prop bet ever that's amazing and it won (laughs) he scored but here's the here's the funny thing they started the line at 20 to 1 so 100 bucks on the fridge would grab you two grand by the time it closed the odds were two to one because everybody was like, this is great. Give me him for a touchdown. Give me 50 bucks. Give me 100 bucks. The whole, all of Caesars Palace was throwing money on the fridge to score a touchdown. So, you know, they kept lowering the odds, lowering the odds. They got smoked on that. Well, point. and you know, Dick, it was going to use, try it if they had if they had short yards. The, the worst thing about that, though, is he let Perry carry it, and Peyton never got to score a touchdown in that Super Bowl. That's true, too. Ain't that sad? Yeah, Walter Payton never. I guess he figured he'll have a, he would have another chance, and I'm sure he did. But I, and I, I heard there were hard feelings between Dick and him for that. Well, Payton over to Dick on, on that. Well, you know what? He shouldn't be too upset. He won a Super Bowl. That's the most. Important. Yeah, I mean, he was a class guy. He didn't come out with it. But I mean, I could, dude. He was that franchise. He carried yeah, he that was. team for how long? Yeah, he, the first, the first shot inside the five. I'd have given him the guy the ball. I think. Me personally, yeah. that's me. I, mean, I don't remember what happened. He might have handed it to him a couple times. I don't remember the the way the plays unfolded, but I thought that would be an interesting story to tell this week. Since. That yeah, that that is that's a really neat story. I like that story. You know what I watched, uh, which is fantastic, and I highly recommend you watch the Tuck Rule. It's a thirty for thirty. I just rec- I recorded it. I'll probably watch. Oh, uh, dude, it is really, really good. You got Woodson, and and I didn't. I knew it was about the tuck rule. I didn't know what it was going to be. You got Woodson and Brady sitting on his couch watching the play with a remote control, arguing and fighting about it, <laughs> reenacting it. Uh, Brady has his ring on. Uh, it's really, really, really good. I forgot they were teammates in Michigan for three years too. Heisman Trophy, yeah. Well, Brady says, he says, I was 17 years old. I went to Michigan. He was a god. You know, he was so far ahead of everybody else on that team. Right. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. But I, uh, yeah, you got to what? They're shooting pool, and Brady's like, oh, I got to take this off. He says, but you go look at it every time you chalk up, and he sits on the table next to the chalk. And Winston's like, that should be my ring. He says, oh, if 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 they keep that a fumble, you win. Oh, yeah, you win. And then they, they play the alternate version of if they kept it a fumble and the Raiders go on and beat Pittsburgh and win the Super Bowl and Tom Brady isn't the starter the following year when they do Tom's history. It's real. I'm telling you, done very well. And, uh, you know, as much as I used to hate Tom Brady as a Patriot, I, I'm starting to like the guy. I really am now that he's not a Patriot and now that he don't play football no more. Yeah, I mean, he's not, you know, hey, listen, I never always loved the guy and respected the way he played the game. I always respected his game. I don't know about how he played the game because there's questions about he cheated. But guess what? I would take every advantage I could, too. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. But um, all right, what are we moving on to, uh, B-Ball? Because uh, I have to. Uh, well, we can we can wrap this up. We covered everything we're going to cover. Uh, I'm slightly talking about, if you want to put your two cents in, I'm going to talk about today at some point, uh, this whole cancel culture, Joe Rogan and Whoopi Goldberg. If you want to put any comments on, on any of that. Well, I, I'll only say this. Uh, Joe Rogan has 11 million listeners to his podcast. And these people that are trying to cancel him are just trying to cancel him because it's a fringe. I mean, like I'm talking about a fringe group of people. No one should ever pay attention to anybody that wants to cancel anybody unless it's so egregious. If you're not, yeah, if you're not preaching hate or, yeah. or, 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 or you know, spewing venom. Hey, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Speak. I don't agree with cancel culture at all. The only reason why I'm happy that Whoopi got suspended and I think she should get fired is because if you're going to cancel people, you cancel everybody fairly. 
Um, and, uh, you know, it's about time somebody took a swing at the double standard. I applaud ABC for that, although they only won halfway because I, I really think of any non-colored person totally, you know, uh, decried or, you know, lessened the the effect or the horribleness of the Holocaust the way she did. They'd have been fired. They would have been. Yeah, she's she, that that was that was completely inappropriate. But like I said, I don't think anybody should be canceled for something that they said that they they're not consistently preaching the same thing. Like she made a stupid comment. She's you know, she's just a dumb piece of shit. I can't stand her. But that's a whole nother conversation. Even though I can't stand her and I don't agree with almost anything she says, it's not like she's out on her show every week saying there was no Holocaust or there it was, you know, she apologized. She made a mistake. Just move on. Well, I, 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 I agree with that. That's the way free speech should work in this country. The only problem I have and disagree with you on that is because her and Joy Baird, they're, they're the biggest cancer culture drum beaters oh, yeah. around. Yeah. And they both have said pretty offensive things. I mean, just earlier in the week, which nobody's talking about. If you listen to the episode, I believe it was Monday because they were talking about the appointing a black woman as the superior court judge. Well, Bear dis- totally, you know, disenfranchised Amy Barrett Cohen. Is that her name? The yeah. Or Cohen Barrett. Amy. Anyway, the Supreme Court justice that uh, Trump appointed, she air quoted when she called her a woman. The woman's a woman. What are you air quoting? <laughs> and then Whoopi uh, totally left uh, Clarence Thomas out saying he's not really a black man because he don't stand for the black man's rights. So they don't even, it's not that they want women of minorities on the Supreme Court. They want women of minorities who agree with their philosophy. <laughs> Do you know how many people watch The View? Probably less than listen to Joe Rogan. I know one thing, I looked into it and I posted it. Uh, Joe Rogan had more viewers and listeners yesterday than CNN had the entire month of January. <laughs> well, Joe Rogan has 11 million listeners to his podcast and less than 800,000 people watch CNN or The View. That's amazing. So it's, it's dwarfing what, you know, she says, who cares? No one's watching her. The only reason anybody knows what she said she said was because it got replayed on Fox. It got replayed on podcasts. It got talked about on the news. No one watches that show. They have to say outrageous shit so they get some publicity from other channels. That's their whole MO. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's how they get their advertising. But did you hear what Rumble did? Do you know, are you familiar with Rumble? Yeah, no, Rumble does some podcasting too, right? They well, Rum- Rumble is like YouTube was 15 years ago. They don't censor anything. They, You know, it's just... Free enterprise for video and stuff, but they offered uh, Joe a hundred million dollars to bring his podcast to Rumble. Four years, a hundred million dollars. <laughs> Listen, that's that's how it should be. And you know what? He's going to stay on Spotify because the CFO of Spotify has a little bit of sense. And silencing people on podcasts is not the way to go. I mean, what do you want to? They've already removed a hundred and ten of his episodes. Yeah, but you know what? Those episodes are already listened to. I mean, how often do you have to go back? Yeah, I mean, oh, I definitely agree with that, but I'm saying. No, I know. No. <coughs> Excuse well, listen, me. I'll let, you, I'll let you do your thing, Meatball. Uh, I wish your listeners luck. Uh, hopefully, we uh, we get to cash in on some of these crop bets, and then we'll reconvene next week, and we'll we'll see who won the Super Bowl. All right. We, we will be discussing that game next week. You and your family have a great one, buddy. It was great talking to you, Broccoli Rob. Welcome to the family. All right, people. Talk to you later, buddy. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening on that phone call. Got some information and helped you look forward to this week's Super Bowl. Enjoy the game. Thank you for listening to the Meatballs for America podcast. I am the Meatball. You can express your opinions, get in touch with me, say anything you'd like to say via the What Say You hotline at 307-363-2669. You can get in touch with me via email, meatballsforamerica at yahoo.com. That's all lowercase and the number four. Find me on Facebook, Frank Talker. Give me a friend request. Uh, I do put polls and questions on there that will relate to the show. I am also on Twitter. It is MBS for America. It's a capital M, capital B, capital four. 
capital A, finish spelling America, at MBS for America, capital four. I like that, a nice capital four. Make sure you make that a capital four, not a lowercase four. But again, this was the Meatballs for America podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm going to turn my microphone off for the week, and uh, I'm going to take you out with a phone call from a friend of mine who called and uh, reminded me of a sports memory we had Uh Years ago, he said the 80s, I think it was the 90s because uh, we were out of high school at the time. He was coming to my house to see the Tyson Spinks fight. I had ordered a pizza and asked him to pick it up. And here's what he has to say about that. Hey, Meatball, it's Dude. I was thinking the other day, uh, a little flashback to the 80s. I think it was our senior year. I was coming over. We were all getting together to watch the fight. And you had me stop and get the pizza. I got to the pizza place, I had to wait about two minutes for the pizza. By the time I got to your house, I walked in the door, the fight was supposed to be starting, but it was over. You're screaming at me from the living room that the fight's over, I missed it, it was like 30 seconds. It was Tyson's face. You passed it, you made me miss it.